Today's scripture is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. You see all the red here today, and I have a red tie on, and people have noticed that I that this little pop of color that I have on today because it is Pentecost Sunday, which remembers the day when the Holy Spirit came upon God's people and ushered in the age of the church that we are currently in. And you've heard me say this before, uh, that I, I personally believe that this today, what happens today with the Holy Spirit, is the great twist of Scripture. In other words, we didn't see this one coming, that God would be with his people by being in his people. Take a moment to think about that, that God is in his people. If that doesn't just shock you right there, I don't know what will, that you have God in you. And that statement right there is a supernatural mystery that is very, very difficult for many to explain. Um, and, you know, these Think about this, okay? It might be hard to explain to those without spiritual sense of these things because they don't have the Holy Spirit. Have you ever thought about that? That you have been giving a spiritual sense. The eyes of your heart have been opened up to the spiritual things, the spiritual truths of God because of the Holy Spirit. I think that is significant. So when you go out into the world and you encounter a people without the Holy Spirit, they don't have that same spiritual sense that you do by gaining the direction of you know, what the Holy Spirit is providing you with and open your heart with through the Scripture. The Holy Spirit directs our paths. Now that is a great mystery, yes, to some people, some Christians, many Christians. We don't understand everything, but, you know, we live in a day and age where we try to understand everything, don't we? We want the answers to everything. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there is this great mystery. And I will tell you what, it will most likely always be a great mystery. And rather than solve the mystery and get ourselves in trouble, I think we have to respect and honor the mystery of the Holy Spirit in us. But there are certainly some things that we can know about the Holy Spirit. But again, our spiritual eyes have been opened because we have the Holy Spirit. But let's imagine for a second going out into the world and being with people who do not understand these things. And they ask you, you mean to tell me that you believe that God is in you? Do you see how shocking that is right there? That's a, that's a question right there. Yeah, I, I believe that. Here comes the next question. That's just the right thing to ask. How do you know? How do you know that the Holy Spirit is in you? How do you know what you claim to be true is true? 
And you cannot say, well, the Bible tells me so. You can't do that. And it's a quick go-to answer, but the Bible tells me so. I trust the Bible, but what does, in, if God is living inside of you, okay, that is not the Bible telling you so, okay? You were informed by the Bible, but what do you have to say about the Holy Spirit being inside of you? How do you know? Well, we're going to look at that answer today. I believe um, by the time the sermon is over, you're going to be, be able to walk away with joy and assurance that, yes, I have the Holy Spirit, that blessed assurance. But we're going to work our way up to that. So how do you know that I have the Holy Spirit, okay? Well, how do you know that you have the Holy Spirit? Listen, many of us here today have been raised up in the church. And church is just, it really is a part of life that you've been raised up in. And I'm making, the, I'm pointing this out because many of us don't remember this moment where we receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, you were once without the Holy Spirit, then a moment happens, and then you have the Holy Spirit. Many of us don't remember that. And listen, that's okay. That's okay. Some people have that defining moment. John Wesley had that defining moment. His brother had that defining moment. But many of us don't remember that defining moment. And it's most likely we've been raised up in the church, always talking about the Holy Spirit. So like, well, I must have the Holy Spirit. But we're going to look further into that. Because when you're living the life of the church, one could say that Christianity is a way of life. For those who know the culture of the church, it's just how we live here. People can come into the doors and see how we live this way of life. But I want to tell you this, Christianity is so much more than a way of life. It's so much deeper than just being a way of life. You see, everyone has a way of life that they live into, and that's just a fact. The world is full of different ways to live your life. And you see in people, that in people all around you, you go to different countries, you see different cultures, they do different things. You can even go to different churches and see a different way of life, how they do things differently. And I think that is a good thing. And here's the saying, if you've heard the saying before, you probably have. You live your life the way you want to live, and I will live mine the way I want to live. Raise your hand if you've heard that statement before. Okay. And the world just kind of buys into that statement. I will tell you right off the bat, that's not a very Christian statement. We should be concerned with the people around us, okay? It's not like, have at it. You see what happens when people just say, have at it. That's your life. It's not mine until it affects you, until other people's way of life, you know, directly affects you and starts harming you. We as Christians should always be concerned, okay, with lovingly assessing other people and how they live their lives, okay? So it's not this, you live your life the way you want and I'll live mine, okay? Don't buy into that. Don't buy into that. That's not biblical. But, you know, the world has embraced that. Or have they? You hear people saying that statement, you know? It's your life, I don't care what you do. Really? And I say this because the world seems very bent on promoting these various ways to live a better life to the masses, don't they? They just know it better. That's one of the reasons why self-help books are so popular. The best-selling, you know, are the self-help books because they push a way of life at you that is more rewarding than the one you are currently living. 
That's one of the reasons why they do so well, because people are generally unhappy with their current um, posture in life. Where they're at, there must be something better than this. Oh, a self-help book. Maybe that has the answer. But the thing is, these books seldom deliver on their promises. They're just trendy books. And you see it all around you. The secret to happiness in three easy payments of 1999, right? You turn on the television, I'm like, wow, in three months I can have this paid off and I'll be happy. It says right there. They're even going to throw in something extra for my 1999 to have a better life, to be popular, to look great. I like what they're selling. 1999. How about this one? It turns out that you, there, is a price of, it, there is a price for happiness, and you have to pay for it, okay? You have to pay for it in the world. 20 minutes a day to a better you. Just 20 minutes a day. Can you do it? What happens when you can't? It's only 20 minutes a day. <laughs> Here's one that always gets me. I always hear this. New ancient remedy. Well, that doesn't make sense, does it? New ancient remedy just discovered to a better peace of mind. How can it be new? It's ancient, right? But they sell it and you buy into it. So the world has no shortage on ways to live out your life. So everyone has a way of life. And it forces the question, so what makes Christianity so different? If everyone has a way of life, which, one, which makes this one so different? Well, I'll tell you what, um, right off the bat, at the center, at the core, Christianity primarily, primarily is not a way of life. That's part of it, but primarily it's not a way of life. That's not the starting point. And most of the stuff in the world that pushes a way of life at you, that's their starting point. You start here, you move forward, that's the way of life. Just change everything you're doing right now. That's the starting point. So Christianity is not a way of life primarily. Rather, it is a way to life. That little word right there in the center. It's not a way of life primarily. It is a way to life. That is the main distinction. And here's the order. First, a way to life through Jesus Christ. And then a way of life through God's Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that's what we see in Scripture and if you leave the first one out, the way of life, then the second one, the way, I mean, the way to life, if you leave that one out, then the second one, the way of life, gets really tiring, really fast. It's exhausting living that way. And you end up looking like a Christian, doing the works of a Christian, forcing the works of a Christian, but you're not. It's all works. It's all performance. One could say it could be anxiety-driven, working your way towards good works and salvation like that. That's not what it's about. And sadly, that's the case for many people. It really is. And it's the, it's the case for many people who happen to grow up in the church, living in you know, living this culture of Christianity. And we really have to know the distinction here. It's really important. Because if you don't have Jesus, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, know this, is the one who enables you to live into your Christianity. 
You have a way to life, Jesus Christ, and you receive the Holy Spirit, and you're like, wow, this is joyful work. What I once thought was hard work is now joyful work. It's not easy work, but it's joyful work. Now, notice I didn't say about the Holy Spirit that it isn't it. <laughs> right? Or a what? Okay, we have a couple young people here. I can kind of like, you know, pick on you a little bit. Here, um, the Holy Spirit's not an app either, okay? You can't download the Holy Spirit, all right? Even though, you know, I guess you could look at Pentecost and say the Holy Spirit was downloaded into the people, okay? But the Holy Spirit is not an app. Don't go searching for it, okay? All right? But the Holy Spirit is not an it or what? The Holy Spirit is not a thing or an idea. Rather, the Holy Spirit is a living being. Understand that. Grasp that. Just like God is not a what, but a who, and just like Jesus is not a what, but a who, the Holy Spirit is God living inside of you. So you've got to ask the question, if God is living inside of me, if the Holy Spirit is living inside of me, what is God's Holy Spirit doing inside of me? Hanging out? Looking for something to do? Resting? I can tell you one thing is for certain. The Holy Spirit is not resting inside of you. The Holy Spirit was not outside of you looking for a resting place. And besides, I think the Holy Spirit can find better places to rest. The Holy Spirit is God. So why you? Why me? You, you are not a vacation destination for God's Holy Spirit. You do know that, right? Okay? You're, you're not a vacation. <laughs> All right? And besides, think about this. You find your rest in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not find rest in you. That's a, that's a big distinction. You find your rest in God. God does not find his rest in you. So the Holy Spirit is working inside of you doing loving work. The Holy Spirit is not reluctantly working inside of you. So don't think that you're a mess and that you drive the Holy Spirit nuts and that you're a lost cause. There's too much work for the Holy Spirit to do. The Holy Spirit loves working inside of you, drawing you ever closer to God, drawing your compassion forward, drawing your grace for others. The Holy Spirit is saying, yes, this is good work. This is a good thing. Yes, you have messed up time and time again, but I will continue to lovingly and joyfully work inside of you, guiding you, opening your heart, teaching you his ways. So the question for you becomes this. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you? Are you working together with God's Holy Spirit or are you working against the Holy Spirit? Are you being resistant is what I'm asking. And if so, why are you being resistant? How about this one? This one's going to strike home. Have you said yes to Jesus Christ but no to his Holy Spirit? Have you received Jesus and said, yes, 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 and then the Holy Spirit comes and says, now we got work to do, and you say, no, no. Have you said yes to Jesus Christ, but no to his Holy Spirit? Because we do, do that as a people. We ask for change, 
change this, change my circumstance. And we, you know, we go to God, save me from this, save me from that. I'll do whatever it takes, change me. But the moment God responds to your prayer and starts to make changes and suggests those changes through us, in us, we become resistant. Change me, oh God! Oh, no, no, okay, I take that back. <laughs> All right? I'll do whatever it takes. I'm waiting. Where are you? Well, you're going to need to do this. I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's what we do. We become resistant to the very change we ask God for. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, he said this, and I'm paraphrasing. Your faith can move a mountain. We know that scripture. Your faith can move a mountain, but sadly, sometimes we become the mountain that God has to move. You know what's true? I've become that mountain that God has to move. But God says we're supposed to move the mountain, not become the mountain. So why are we resistant to this change in our lives? Well, I, I think part of the answer to our resistant nature is that it's, it's just hard and uncomfortable work. It's as simple as that. And we, we as people will always take the easy way. But God's not asking us to take the easy way. The hard work is rewarding, okay? And it's different than the hard work that you had before the Holy Spirit. That's a different kind of hard work. This is a rewarding hard work because it draws you ever closer to God and others. But let me give you an example of things not being so easy. In the letter of James, chapter 119, it reads this. My dear brothers and sisters, my beloved, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I'm going to repeat that. Everyone, not some, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, it's been my experience that those three things are very difficult to do, especially listening, like truly listening. I can't get that train out of my head right now. I just hear that coming through. <laughs> Give me a second. Yes, and the building shakes with the presence of the Holy Spirit <laughs> right now without the sound of the train. All right, good, good. Listen, it's been my experience that those, those things, of, you know, are very difficult to do. And listening is probably the hardest one to do. And I'm talking about truly listening right now. Not the kind of listening where you're waiting for the other person to stop talking so you can start talking and then they can do the hard work of listening. You do the listening, not me. Well, that's the preference. Have you ever considered the idea that time speeds up for the person talking and slows down for the person listening? It's true. Right now, time is sped up for me. <laughs> it's slower for you, right? That's just a fact. But why is that? Well, it's because when you're talking, when you have the platform, when you have the spotlight, all attention is on you. How wonderful is that? You're being glorified, right, in, in a sense. Everyone's just looking at you because they're, you know, they're listening. But when you're listening, when you're not talking, when you're doing the listening, all attention is on the other and not on you. 
And you have to put, take whatever you're going through, whatever you're thinking, whatever, however you want to respond, on a hold. You have to make yourself less important, and you have to count what they're talking about to be more important, and that is hard to do. It is hard to listen to, because the attention is not on you. So I have to ask, how well are you listening to the Holy Spirit inside of you? Is the attention on you or God? You didn't see that one coming, did you? Because we do a lot of talking when we approach God. A lot of talking. I do. When we went into prayer here, we just started talking. Did we allow any time for God to talk? No, no, no. We're just going to jump into Jesus Christ. You taught us that prayer saying, Our Father, who art in heaven. You know what I mean? Maybe we should allow more time for God to respond in our lives when we go to him in prayer. We should be listening to the Holy Spirit inside of us, the gracious presence of God. Now that's one example. Other things that we tend to be resistant to the Holy Spirit are things like patience. That's a hard one. Patience, showing kindness to those who are not so kind. Bearing with those who rub us the wrong way and get on our last nerve. No, he didn't just say that during his sermon. Yes, I did. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that others are, gonna get, are not going to get on your nerves. People get on each other's nerves. It's called relationship, right? It happens, and it's when we exercise our patience and sometimes forgiveness as Christians. We exercise that too. Are you growing in these things? Because forgiveness, that's another thing that we're re resistant on. Loving our enemies, another thing we're resistant upon. And these are only a few things that the Holy Spirit desires, desires for us to work on, right? And I'm pretty sure that right now, if you're listening, then you have a sense of what the Holy Spirit is asking you to work on. You do. Pay attention to the Holy Spirit inside of you. Now, to answer the question of how do I know if I have the Holy Spirit? You want to know that, right? How do I know? Well, I think the best way to answer this question is for you to ask yourself a following questions okay number one first and foremost do i have a loving and saving relationship with jesus christ that, that's a really remember i said you can't have one without the other right so do you have a loving and saving relationship with jesus christ and if you're saying yes to that then tell me something about jesus christ do you know him if it's a relationship or are you doing all the talking or are you listening to jesus and knowing his character and his love for you Secondly, do I have a compassion and desire for God? How about this one? Do I have a growing love for God and people? That one gets a lot of people. I will, I will tell you right now, God loves people. He loves you. You're a person. <laughs> You're a human being. God loves people. Do you? You cannot love God and not people. And that doesn't mean you have to suddenly become a people person, per se. And, you know, this doesn't mean that everyone has to become an extrovert. <laughs> okay? Christianity is made up of both introverts and extroverts. And both love, you know, both, both sides, both types of people love and deserve to be loved. You'd be surprised to know that, you know, you see me in front of people all the time. But you'd be surprised to learn that I'm an introvert. And not just a little. I am a big introvert. Okay? I love people, though. 
I do love being around people, but <laughs> it just does something to me sometimes. I'm an introvert. Listen, there are people that don't like to be around other people, but they do love people. It's just that when they're around people, it just makes them a certain way, maybe makes them tense, maybe it's too many people, but it doesn't mean they don't love people, okay? There's something that just goes on. They hurt when they hear of other people being hurt and they celebrate in their own way. Respect and love that. Can we do that? All right? Not every Christian has to be an, an extrovert. And how about this one? Am I growing in virtue and despising vice? What do I mean by that? What I mean is, am I becoming more patient and less impatient? Am I becoming more understanding and less judgmental? Are my desires more and more in line with God's will, or am I desiring more and more of the things of this world? Right? I think your answers to these probing questions will lead you on the right path to that blessed assurance of the Holy Spirit living in you. And listen, your answer doesn't have to be yes to all of them. Maybe the first one, absolutely. <laughs> but we're all work in progress. We're all moving forward in the Spirit. And so we, here we are today on Pentecost, right? Pentecost Sunday, when the Holy Spirit came down upon us. And no, I didn't just disappear. We're going to enter into a time of communion right now.